Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey family, good to see you this morning. Uh, Royston, shout out to Royston. Glad, glad you guys made it this morning. Okay, uh, let me start off by blessing us as we get going. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully this morning. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need, whatever help from God you need immediately. And I bless you to have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace and freedom, whatever's going on. I bless you with that. In the name of Jesus, may it be. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are in a study about Abraham, God's friend, the father of faith of all who believe in Jesus. And today, we come to one of the greatest faith-proving moments in Abraham's life, a time where his faith is tested and Abraham shows by his decisions and his choices that he really does believe in God and has actual faith. When we're talking about faith today, we're not talking about some philosophical thing or a religious system that someone may or may not believe in. We're talking about having faith in God, and what that means is to have a trust in God that is proven by the decisions that we make and the actions that we do. This is from James chapter 2. James chapter 2 reads like this. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? And it continues talking about this for some time, but skipping down to verse 21 for our passage today. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Saying that again, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. This is the scripture, James chapter 2. So today we're talking about real faith. Real faith, and we're going to look at this exact story that James is referencing here, the time in Abraham's life where he offers his son Isaac as a a sacrifice on, on the altar, where Abraham's faith and actions work together, using James's uh, phrasing here, and and. 
this is what all faith is to look like for all of us, where faith and actions, faith and decisions, faith and choices work together, our behavior proving our faith. So the main thought today as we're going through this is, are your decisions, are your choices showing that you have faith in God and are trusting Him? Are your, faith, are your decisions and choices showing, you could use the word proving, showing that you have faith in God and are trusting Him? Or are they showing something else? All right, let's dive into our story. I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 22, one of the amazing stories, just an incredible moment here. I'm reading starting in verse 1 of Genesis 22, and it says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, this is going to be a bit of a crazy story. I get that. We're, we're going to be going through this. And, and so how do we understand this, this crazy story? Well, in those first words at the beginning, it tells us how to understand this story. And it said, God tested Abraham's faith. So the box for this story is this is a faith test. This is a faith test. We're looking at faith tests today. Everyone who ever follows God, their lives are filled with faith tests. It's just standard. If you want to follow God, you're going to have faith tests. In the early years, often they're, they're faith tests to see if you're serious about what you vowed or what you said. Are you serious about following God? And so your faith gets tested. Are you actually going to follow Jesus or are you just going to talk about following Jesus? Are you going to have your decisions and your choices, especially when they're different from what you would naturally or normally choose for yourself, are you going to make those decisions and choices in a way that, that follows God? So, so all of our lives we have these, te these tests. Real faith, which is what God is constantly testing for in all of us, shows a real obedience, especially when the obedience isn't an easy one. For example, here in this story where um, he's, Abraham's being called to sacrifice his son, whom he loves. But faith tests continue all of our lives. We, we have them all the way because God doesn't want us just to start well with real faith. He wants us to have real faith all the way to the end of our lives. And faith tests always feel like a, a war. A war in our hearts. A, a war in, in our minds. Because in a faith test, God is looking to see if we will trust him when we don't prefer to. To looking to see if we will put him first in our lives over everything else, over every desire, over every other love, or are we going to put those other things, or just a few of them, just a little bit higher than trusting and, and obeying God? And so in all of our lives, when we walk with God, we need to learn how to recognize, understand, and obey God's directions. This is what um, Robert Clinton, in his book, Making of a Leader, writes. He says, It is one thing to obey when it seems logical and necessary, 
But it's quite another when the obedience calls for something that doesn't make sense. Obedience doesn't always hinge on our understanding. It, it did not make sense ethically or practically to kill Isaac. Yet Abraham obeyed. Now, before anybody freaks out, he doesn't actually kill his son. Uh, Isaac, I just wanted to give that out of the way. God, 100% was not into Abraham killing his, his son Isaac or hurting his sons. I don't want to get lost in that, in that thing. But oftentimes, God asks us to walk a path that seems to be to the wrong destination. And he says, I want you to go this way. And so we start walking on that path only to find out we get redirected to the true destination that God wanted us to go to. We thought that this was the destination, but that was just to start us on this, this trajectory before gets getting redirected and getting to the place where God always intended us to go. So Abraham will obey in faith, trusting that the obvious seeming destination isn't going to be the final destination. Because he knows that God wouldn't want to do that. He wouldn't want him to kill his son. And because God's made clear promises about Isaac, that can't be fulfilled if he does kill Isaac. And so Abraham shows his faith by obediently trusting God and starting on this path. And he's going to walk that path until God redirects it. But he's fully expecting God to redirect it because he sees that the declared declaration isn't the right final declaration. Or destination. 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 I'm not making this up. This is what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us exactly what Abraham's thinking. And it says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned. This is how we understand the story and what Abraham's thinking. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. That is the key that we need to hold on to as we go through this story and try and understand Abraham's decision making in this, in this process. Okay, We don't have to speculate, oh, I bet Abraham was thinking this. Or we don't have to just imagine what he was thinking. The Bible tells us. He had reasoned this out, that God had a future for Isaac, even if that required doing something that we have no record from any culture, any civilization in the history of the world before Abraham's time, the idea of someone being raised from the dead. So he reasoned that even the, the thing that had never happened before would have to happen because God was going to keep his promises that the declared destination isn't going to be the final destination when it comes to this, this journey that he's on. So Abraham's faith is tested. And his mindset becomes one of faith, trusting God to keep his promises, trusting God to keep his word, and to turn a path that seems to be evil into something that is going to be good. And he doesn't know exactly how, but he just trusts that God's going to turn this to the right to the right conclusion now that's that's abraham's faith test here now we have so many faith tests in our lives all through our lives you're, you're gonna have faith tests where times where we will see or perceive that god is leading us in a direction or he's calling us to make a change sometimes it's i, I believe that god's been speaking to this and confirming that sometimes it's just straight in the bible and you're like the bible lays this out 
Are you going to trust God with what the Word says, and are you going to live it out? Some, some classic faith tests, like, like money. It's a classic one, right? Every believer near the early moments of their, of their following Jesus gets confronted with the question of money and offerings. The, am I going to follow the directions of the God? At least the barest minimum, like the lowest percentage in all the Bible that we, we see anywhere about offerings and, and giving to God is 10%. Am I going to meet that, like that, that standard in obedience to God when, you know, when the Bible's talking about this? Or am I not going to trust God with my, the, first in, the first of my wealth? Am I not going to bring gen- generous and joy-filled offerings? And instead, am I going to live on all I've been given and not... Not bring an offering to God, trusting Him to provide the rest. Like, it's a faith test. It's just a straight Bible faith test moment that everybody experiences. In fact, probably every time somebody gets a promotion or a raise or a job change, then they, they wrestle through it again. Faith test. Um, some other faith tests, uh, I see this a lot of the, the choice of who you'll marry. Uh, the, many believers are called to marry believers only. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And, and God has really huge and significant reasons for this. He, the all-knowing God has, knows what he's writing and what he's talking about. But, but wow, what a faith test that is for some. To be like, I love this person. They love me. And, and how can I let this go? And yet God's saying in his word, written down, not to marry unbeliever, and yet I feel, and faith test, classic faith test moment. Will I trust God or will I follow what I want? Um, Other faith test moments, forgiving people that I don't want to forgive. God writes it down, forgive everyone, am I going to do that? Um, Writing a wrong that you've done. Faith test, confessing an error that you've made following a leading of God that includes maybe risk or, or, or loss. I remember, I mean, it's so many. Like I, I had this time where God called me to quit my job, all of my income, and start raising money to become a missionary to move to Scotland. I did. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's a faith test moment. God, did you say this? I remember getting ready to leave for Scotland and being like, if I'm wrong, like, bless me anyways. I'm just trying to follow the best I can here, but, but faith test moment. At one point, God said, give up half your savings, and I'm like, I think that this is what God said, so we're going to do this, and Kelly was like, yeah, let's, let's follow God, and, and we did, and, and um, many times we're, we're tested in, in lots of different ways. What is your highest value? What do you, what do you care most about? I, I see some American missionaries sometimes, they, they leave the mission field because they want their kids to have American high school experiences. They don't want them to miss out on that. And, I mean, so they, they may... Now, there's other reasons why people leave the missions field. But for some, uh, I've heard that stated. I, I hear other people, they don't want to move away from their extended family, although God might be leading them. I mean, as a missionary, but also just like God's leading them to a different city or, or, or area. And, and, and they, they, but they don't want to leave because they want to grow up around family and, and whom they love and they care about. So there's, there's just all kinds of faith tests, and we're going to experience them all our lives. And the question is, what's your number one? And God wants to see it. He doesn't want to just hear it. He wants to see what your number one is. Anyway, again, there's, there's so many, but the main thing that I want you to, to hear as we get going here is God tests our faith. God tests our faith. And when he does, it's a real test. It's a real test. Now, for however 
agonizing a faith test might be, James chapter 1 says, consider it great joy. Consider it great joy, uh, the testing of your faith. It's an opportunity for great joy. You can look at that yourself, but God is not being mean when he tests your faith. He's giving you an opportunity for great joy if you pass it and if you trust in him. Okay, we, we need to get to our story. I'm going to be picking up where we left off. God has just called uh, Abraham to go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice his son. And then this is where we pick up in verse 3. Let's see what Abraham does with his faith test moment. What does he do? The next morning, okay, that's good, right away, obeying right away. Great. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Okay, this is a ways away, three-day journey that, that God's sending them to, a very specific place. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further No, a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Is Abraham lying to these guys? No. No, we know from Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. Even if he slays Isaac, they will be coming back. Like, he knows that. We know know that he knows that. So he's he's not... just throwing something out there to pacify his servants. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he knows that Isaac's going to live somehow and then come back. Verse 6, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied, oh, sorry, it's a question mark. Yes, my son? (laughs) Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Now, is Abraham lying to his son? I don't think so. I mean, We know that Abraham knows that Isaac's going to live, and we also know that God detests human sacrifices and and, and human suffering and all this, so he hates the harming of kids. We know that about God. It seems to me that God knows Abraham well enough at this point to assume that God's going to intervene with an acceptable sacrifice because God's not into human sacrifice, and so it seems like Abraham, is he's been reasoning about this not just for a day, but for three days now. And so he's got some thoughts here. And so he's thinking, you know, a sheep, that's probably the most obvious thing for God to provide because that's an acceptable sacrifice. Not sure exactly how this is going to play out yet, but, but you know, God will provide. Um, verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called out, uh, called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. 
don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. I entered those verses into ChatGPT image maker. Too disturbing. Too disturbing. But it's a disturbing moment. It's a really disturbing moment. But I want you to see that God calls out from heaven because he, God does not want the boy harmed in any way. In any way. And so we see that God's faith test wasn't about the destination. wasn't about the destination, the sacrifice of Isaac, but it was about the journey that proves trusting God when the destination doesn't make any sense at all. And it's not until God sees Abraham's heart is one of faith shown by what he does, tying up, raising knife, when he tells he sees it, then God steps in saying, I see that you have faith in me. But God knows my heart. Well, okay, yeah. But he knows, but he, he, he wants to see our hearts. He wants to see our hearts. Do your actions prove to God who sees everything and to others that God is your number one? Do, do your actions, do, do your, does your life prove to God who, who, who sees, who sees that, that he is your number one? Or you know, what are you holding back? What is the number one that you're saying, I'm not going to trust God in this and I'm going to do something? Are you in a faith test right now? Some of you very likely are in a faith test right now where you are at war on the inside about obeying God or about obeying the Word of God, the Bible, versus <clears throat> what you really, 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 really want to do. And you feel that battle. And you feel that war, and it's misery. I just say, you know, fear God, like what we talked about last week. Trust God. Obey God. Pass the faith test. What happens if you pass faith tests? Well, let's see what happens with Abraham. Verse 13, so Abraham passed the faith test. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. <clears throat> so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. <clears throat> to this day, People still use that name as a proverb, a prophetic proverb, prophetic proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. To this day, that's what people are saying. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. <clears throat> so Abraham obeys, and then God provides answers and solutions. God provides the answers and solutions to get to the greatest destination, not the declared de destination, but the right, perfect destination. Abraham's faith test meant trusting God when it didn't make sense to provide all, trusting God to provide all that was needed so that everything would turn out right in the end. And so God does that. He provides. He provides. 
on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. But that's not all. It, there's more that happens when he, when he obeys. So then, <clears throat> then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what Yahweh says. This is what the Lord says. Because you, because you have obeyed me. Because you've obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the earth will be blessed. Now catch this, all because you have obeyed me. That's the line. All this was, all because you have obeyed me. The greatest blessings, the greatest rewards come after. The greatest rewards come after. After we go through that brutal feeling war of a faith test and pass. The greatest, the greatest blessing comes after we prioritize trusting God, believing God, putting Him first when it was so hard to do, when there was such heart anguish and soul anguish. God sees that. He rewards that. And now when we think of rewards, we tend to think of like quick rewards. But notice Abraham's rewards, he's not going to see with his own eyes. They're going to come long after, uh, after he, he is dead. But his rewards are still real. The rewards are real. And the rewards are significant. And the rewards are worth it. The rewards are real. The rewards are significant, and the rewards are worth it all because you have obeyed me. I mean, for me, many faith tests have taken place right at significant potential turning point moments of my life that I had no idea was a potential turning point in the moment. It just felt like every other day. I didn't know. I was at a turning point moment, but I did feel the war of a faith test. It should have been a flag. I didn't know it. I, I remember one time I was under this brutal faith test challenge, and I was talking to Kelly about it. I was talking to Tim McDonald about it. He, my friend, he was in town some years ago, and I remember walking through Glasgow, and like, I am just under this severe faith test, and I just don't think I'm going to make it, because I don't want to follow God at uh, this moment. I, I'm not supposed to say that out loud. I'm kind of a pastor, but... Uh, I don't want to follow God in this, in, this, in this moment, and I don't think it was brutal, and yet after 14 days, uh, the faith test was over, I passed the faith test, and then seven days later, I discovered this building, and everything changes for the church. After year, the, everything goes from years of being stuck, years of praying, passing a faith test, I had no idea this was on the horizon, I could see nothing on the horizon, I didn't know I was on the verge of the biggest change moment in our church, in our time in Scotland's story, that, that we would go from not having a place to, to this place. We, we don't get to see what's on the horizon and what, what the opportunities, what the great joy is potentially in front of us if we will obey God. All we know is we feel we're in a brutal faith test moment and we're very tempted to not follow God. 
one moment, choosing to follow and obey God in the context of a brutal faith test can powerfully, positively, and dramatically impact the rest of your life and even that of your descendants. One moment of choosing to follow and obey God in the context of a brutal faith test can powerfully, positively, and dramatically impact the rest of your life and even that of your descendants. I mean, to not trust God and your faith test can cause you to experience all the normal consequences that maybe God was trying to get you to avoid, plus the missing out of things that you just you couldn't even perceive or imagine. Faith test moments are the most pivotal moments. They're the pivotal moments, again, ones that you don't realize are pivotal moments, but the faith test moments are the most pivotal moments where your experience of your life hangs in the balance. The days ahead hang in the balance for good or for disappointing. They're, they're hanging in the and the outcomes, again, which you can't see or perceive in the moment of testing. And I just encourage you, in every faith test moment, choose to trust Jesus. Place your faith in God. Have faith in God and trust Jesus. Speaking of trusting Jesus, this whole story here, yes, it's about Abraham's faith test, but also... It is prophetic, uh, and it's uh, telling us something about Jesus, and it's intended to tell us something about Jesus. It's not just a story. God has a revelation here that he wants us to understand. Now, I'm not just saying this. Track this, verse 2, verse 2, which we read a long time ago. God tells Abraham to take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, which is going to be at least three days away, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, just a few details in this verse, very key. Um, Sacrifice your son, your only son, the one you love, and that's exactly the language God uses about Jesus. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And you know, I, I think Ishmael would be offended about this verse. Like, I mean, I do exist. Is this Abraham's only son? Well, Ishmael's like, I mean, I did, I'm not living here anymore, but I, I do, I, I'm alive. There's something going on here. But, but even more so, it is, God is so specific. I want you to go to the land of Moriah, which isn't here. I want you to go exactly there, but, but you're not going to just sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. It's going to be right near there. I'm going to show you when you get there where exactly. Don't, not just anywhere there. When you get there, I will tell you where to sacrifice him. But first of all, go to Mount Moriah. Now, now where's Mount Moriah? Well, I would show you on a map, but it was buried. And so this is where Mount Moriah is on 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. On Mount Moriah. So you have Abraham who is being sent to a specific destination. 
And, it, and he to sacrifice his only son, whom he loves, not on Mount Moriah, but right, right there. I mean, in Jesus' day, Jesus is crucified, not on Mount Moriah, not on the temple mount, not on the temple complex, but just outside the city gates. Just right there in that area, but just not on, like right by there. In, in, in a very specific place. And we see that you know, God is seeing if Abraham is going to do with his son Isaac what God is going to do with his son Jesus. It's a very intentional thing. And, and then there's this prophetic proverb hanging over this passage that people keep remembering that on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The lamb, the ram. And you see, John the Baptist starts talking about Jesus and he's like, behold the lamb of God, the sheep, the, 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 behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so eventually, at this perfect moment in Abraham's story, God intervenes, and instead of Isaac dying, God provides a ram as a sacrifice to take Isaac's place so that Isaac doesn't die. And instead, the ram is a sacrifice in place of a better sacrifice, a more pleasing sacrifice to God. And in the same way, God has sent his son Jesus, whom he loved, his only begotten son, who he loved and who is well-pleased, to die in your place to take your place, to be a sacrifice in place of you. Like, none of us are perfect, and we all, we all mess up and, and at one point or another, and because we mess up, there's a sacrifice needed. And it's either us or Jesus. And God provided Jesus as an alternative to you being sacrificed for your own sin, to take your place. Instead of you being guilty, God says, I provided the Lamb of God, Jesus, to, to be a sacrifice on your behalf. And so now, if anyone believes in Jesus, meaning, if anyone believes in Jesus, meaning they put their faith in Jesus, meaning they choose to believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead right near Mount Moriah, but not exactly on Mount Moriah, and believing that his death can take the place of your, of you and your sin and choosing to follow Jesus by obeying him for the rest of your life, all those things, believing in Jesus, for those who believe in Jesus, you will be saved. You'll be saved. This is the first, first faith test for everybody. The first faith, faith test. Will I believe the testimony of the ages that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that by believing in Him, I can be saved. Will I believe that? Will I believe what the Bible says? Will I believe what this, this testimony? And will, or will I choose to live for myself? Will I live for myself or will I place my faith in Jesus and live the rest of my life for Him? Many come to that faith test moment in their life and they're like, I choose my own way. But some, and I hope this is all of your stories, either now or sometime very, very soon, but some choose to place their faith in Jesus and let his sacrifice take your place and experience the forgiveness of sins and salvation. And the rewards of believing in Jesus are unbelievably amazing and eternal. And eternal. Again, how do you do that? There's not like magic words to pray or anything like that, but there's a vow that you make to God. 
It's a, it's a vow of dedication, and it's, it's something along the lines of, God, I choose to believe in Jesus. I choose to believe in Jesus and, and his sacrifice taking my place. I choose to believe that I'm forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And I choose to dedicate the entirety of my life to following and obeying you. Yeah, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me forward. But if you make a vow like that to God, if you make that dedication to God um, around here, I encourage you to tell someone. In fact, I encourage you to make that urgently and tell someone quickly uh, and then get baptized. We're doing some baptisms on uh, Palm Sunday, which is the, the last Sunday in March, just coming up in a few weeks. You give your life to Jesus, let us know. So, and let's, let's um, move forward in, in getting baptized. For the rest of us, <clears throat> here's the challenge for, for us all today. What is your most recent faith test experience? How did you do at trusting and obeying God? Or if you're in one right now, the challenge is to follow and obey Jesus, whatever the ask, whatever the cost. And I, I do encourage you to do that, <laughs> in case that didn't come clear. That's the challenge. And it is a challenge. I get that. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm going to pray for us right now. And uh, this is the prayer that I'm going to pray. And, and if, you, if you're like, I want to pray that too, uh, I'll pray it again. I'll pray it again a couple times. And you can decide if you want to pray it. But, but my, the prayer that I'm going to pray is, Jesus, I trust you. You are my number one. I choose to obey whatever the ask, whatever the cost. That's the prayer I'm going to be praying. And again, if you want to pray that, you can pray that with me just quietly in this time. <clears throat> Jesus, I trust you. You are my number one. I choose to obey whatever the ask, whatever the cost. Again, Jesus, I trust you. You are my number one. I choose to obey whatever the ask, whatever the cost. Take one more time. Jesus, I trust you. You are my number one. I choose to obey. Whatever the ask, whatever the cost. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill us all with the spirit of courage and bravery and audacity to walk in holiness and to follow your directives in the word and as you lead us in life. Lead us clearly. We will obey. Help us in our obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.